Welcome to episode 55 of The Photo Show. This episode is sponsored by the School of Visual Arts MFA Photo, Video, and Related Media Program, chaired by Charles Traub. On this show, I speak to Gabriella Herman. She just published a new book called The Kids, which is about the lives of children who grew up with LGBTQ parents. Uh, and it's filled with some really great stories, and we, we talk a lot about that. But also we talk about Gabriella's own story, which she includes in the book, and how making these photographs helped her come to terms with her own experience of her mother coming out when she was in high school. But first, Gabrielle and I talk about how she got started, including uh, being a studio assistant in Brazil and landing one of her um, earliest jobs off of Craigslist. And I think you'll hear that Gabriela's success often comes from perseverance, making some tough choices, and really putting yourself out there. But before we get started, I just want to mention a few events from some former guests of the show. Uh, Wendell White, who's an artist-in-residence at the Princeton Arts Council, uh, will be showing work from his Manifest series, which are recovered objects from the Paul Robeson House. Uh, that is on November 9th from 7 to 9 p.m., at the Arts Council of Princeton in Princeton. Jeffrey Berliner from the Penumbra Foundation is having a solo show on November 10th from 6 to 8 p.m. at the Ace Hotel in New York. A series of photographs and portraits made at the Penumbra Foundation Tintype Studio. And Lissa Rivera's show, Beautiful Boy, will be on display at the National Arts Club with the reception on November 16th at 6.30, also in New York. And former guest Kathy Shore, is also having a reception that same night, November 16th, from 5 to 8 p.m. at my gallery, the James Kearney Campus Gallery in Trenton. And Kathy will be showing her work shot with a book signing and a panel discussion with some of the survivors who were included in the book. So a lot going on with former guests. All right, well, thanks again to the School of Visual Arts MFA Photo, Video, and Related Media Program. And enjoy the show, everyone, and we will talk soon. said you uh, came in from Bed-Stuy. Yeah. Yeah. How long have you been living there? I've been there about a year and a half, loving uh, loving getting to know a new neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Where did you, uh, where were you before? Uh, Prospect Heights. Oh, okay. Yeah. So how long have you been a New Yorker then? Um, I've been here, I guess, 10 years. Yeah, mm-hmm. 10 years. Um, before that, I was living in Sao Paulo for um, five years. Yeah. Where are you originally from? Originally, I'm from Boston. uh, (laughs) I went to school in Connecticut. And then um, I ended up studying abroad in Brazil um, uh, during college for two semesters and then moved to Sao Paulo uh, post-college. Did you have a a connection there? Yeah. So my mom is Brazilian. I grew up speaking Portuguese, have dual citizenship, you know, spend holidays there. And so that's what initially why I went to study abroad was to sort of, I grew up speaking it, but didn't know how to read or write. So that's why I first went um, and then loved it so much, stayed a second semester. And then when I graduated, I was a psychology major, um, more so just because I, I liked the readings and not it's ever. In Sao Paulo, you were? Uh, uh, this is in, in, in Connecticut at Wesleyan, oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, th- and then, yeah, I graduated with, that, with not, not any intentions to, to be a psychologist, but just, you know, I enjoyed the material. Really? <laughs> <laughs> and then. Uh, so it was a, just sort of a decision to be, like study, to get a liberal arts degree, but yeah. maybe focus on concentrate on something yeah and I had always been doing photography throughout you know high school and college black 
and white, dark room. I studied abroad in Mexico also and took like my first color processing class there. What was in Mexico? It was like a, you know, my sophomore fall, it was like a new program to go and learn Spanish. And since I had Portuguese, it was like I jumped into an advanced level. And yeah, lived in uh, Puebla, which is about uh, two hours uh, west of Mexico City. Did some photography and learned <laughs> Spanish. <laughs> yeah, and then when I uh, moved to Sao Paulo, I it was more, you know, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And we had a family apartment there that my cousin was living in and there was an extra bedroom and uh, had such a wonderful time when I had been studying abroad there. So I thought I'd, you know, move there and see what happens. When you say we, you mean your family? No, or? sorry, me. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, oh, no, sorry. When I say we had an apartment there, yes, my, my mom's side of the family. She's one of seven and they're all in Brazil. So it actually was a family apartment that... My mom, as I said, she's one of seven. And when her and her siblings were growing up um, in a small town in Sao Paulo, they all at one point lived in this apartment when they moved to Sao Paulo to do their schooling. Wow. So, yeah, <laughs> lots of stories. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, so you, you study psychology, you get into photography, you do a, a study abroad in Mexico. Uh, from Wesleyan, was that? Yeah. So okay. I, I actually studied abroad um, in high school for a year as well in France. Oh. I, studying abroad was like my thing for a while. And I'm a huge <laughs> sure, <why> proponent. <laughs> and, you know, I think it should be mandatory. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, no, yeah, I do. Yeah. I do. I, um, you know, because I teach at a community college, I, I really encourage my students to look farther than New Jersey. Sorry, Mercer. But so I to look farther <laughs> than New Jersey when transferring to other schools, you know, to get another experience. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I remember I did a study abroad uh, to the Middle East, and it changed my life. Amazing. Yeah, yeah I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, so you start photography in high school. Was there a particular instructor there, teacher there that yep. really inspired you? Yep, yep, yep. That's usually the Joe case. Swayze. <laughs> still in touch with him. He actually came to my wedding. Oh, um, how nice. He's an amazing sort of pen pal corresponder that sends me mm. still in the mail, you know, physical pieces all the time and handwritten notes and has, you know, was my first sort of mentor and inspiration with photography. Yeah. yeah. And, and <laughs> then, but so when you go to um, Wesley and you, you start studying psychology and then you also study abroad as well and do some photography, does, is that when you really think maybe... I could also do this. Yeah, there was sort of like a turning point where um, I was living in Sao Paulo and I you know, was working at um, a hotel just because it was a job. And I just sort of had the idea that maybe I wanted to try to do photography professionally. And I've talked about this before, but like growing up, I, my mom is a doctor, my dad is a lawyer, um, super supportive parents. But the idea of like going to creative fields just never <laughs> crossed my mind. Not that they would Did it cross their mind. <laughs> not that they discouraged it or right. not that they were like, oh, you have to be a lawyer or a doctor. Never like that. But it just I didn't there were not creative types surrounded me growing up. You know, all my friends' parents were in academia or professional fields. And so it didn't it wasn't even like a thought like, oh, I could actually try to do this. And I and then while I was living in Sao Paulo, I I just had that thought and you know, it was like a little inkling of an idea that I was like, hmm, maybe I should try this. And, you know, I, I spoke with them. And of course, they were supportive and encouraging. And I quit the job at the hotel I had. And for six months, I basically, you know, didn't have an income and just worked for free and networked and, you know, did anything I couldn't. Anyone who I crossed paths with said I was like interested in breaking into photography if there's any opportunity. Um, and through that time there, I ended up getting a job working for the top photographer in Brazil. Oh, wow. How yeah. nice. Yeah. <laughs> 
I mean, I was, uh, you know, I was like the third assistant, you know, the lowliest rung on the ladder uh-huh, doing sure, like but... all, the, all the grunt, grunt, grunt work. Right. But it was amazing, amazing entry for me into seeing what working as a professional photographer entails. You know, up until that point, my photographic studies had been very sort of academic and, as I said, black and white, more fine art. And here was, you know, a professional working photographer, get, me getting to see, you know, setting up studio lights, which I had never worked with, getting to see, you know, direct models and, you know, how watching how he, you know, just ran his business. Was it so it was commercial photography? Yes. And- so um, it was a pretty small market at that time. So he kind of spend was doing, you know, all the top, you know, celebrity stuff, magazine covers, advertising campaigns. So very, yeah, entry into sort of the high-end commercial f- photo life. Got to sh- shoot Giselle a bunch of times. <laughs> <laughs> Who was uh, that photographer? Um, so he is Brazilian, but mm-hmm. his name is Bob Wolfenson. Oh, right. Very Brazilian name. <laughs> <laughs> Brazilian Jew. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so yeah, so that that's your real start then into yeah. seeing that you could make a living and, exactly. and do this kind of work. and. And the, is the majority of your work editorial and commercial and... Yeah, I'd say when I, when I, so I, I left Sao Paulo, moved to New York and kind of started off from scratch again. I, I definitely was straddling, I'd say both the fine art and sort of commercial worlds at that point. Like I had my own personal projects that were more fine art, but you know, I was wanting to make a living. And so, you know, was assisting on commercial shoots and it was sort of neck and neck for a while. And then it just happened that my sort of editorial commercial you know, line of work was taking off a lot further. And so I sort of veered more in that direction. Mm. What was your um, first um, solid commercial job then? My first like, like breakout in in New York. (laughs) I mean, I have like a story of my first actual real, like, you know, full feature editorial job. But before that, my one of my first things was responding to a Craigslist ad where I got to come in and fill in a couple days a week to be a photographer for the Metro newspaper. Oh, wow. Which was a great opportunity. It was like, oh, my God, I can get steady money, you know, <laughs> weekly. Wait, um, the, the newspaper advertised on Craigslist? Yeah. Wow. Like looking for a photographer could come in because the main photographer was getting overwhelmed and needed just someone to come in a couple days to fill in. And that was a awesome experience for me because it realized how much um, I did not want to be a photojournalist. <laughs> and it's great to have that, um, yes, you know, o- awareness is. to say this is not what I want, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. No, no. Well, congratulations on not getting murdered, answering a Craigslist ad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so that that was so that was a, um, both a breakthrough in terms of getting work, but also realizing what you didn't want to do. Yeah. Yeah. And where were you living then? My first year in New York, I had just like a, you know, incredible situation where I was living rent free with a high school student who was um, at the School of American Ballet, whose parents had an apartment for him, but didn't want him living alone. And so needed someone to sort of live with him. I wasn't like babysitting, but it was just like, so he was living with an adult. So I would help sort of with the groceries and that kind of stuff. Um, It was a family friend. So having that first year without paying rent, I mean, I had a couple small bills to pay there, but not like a full rent was what allowed me to try to you know, just be freelance. You know, I never had to take any sort of side job. And I just, you know, you didn't waitress. No waitressing. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Knock on wood. Yeah. yeah, So in the beginning, you know, I was able to sort of do some more, you know, volunteering, you know, not getting my foot into the New York market without needing to pay that rent, which yeah, allowed me. And I was always shooting for myself, you know, from the beginning, personal stuff, but also always supplemented in the beginning shooting events and weddings. So you I know you learned through the, the, the commercial studio, and you had the high school teacher. 
Uh, and so in college, uh, was it mostly in Mexico where you studied photography? Uh, it was like well, throughout college, every you know semester, I would have a photography class or do something photography related. Yeah. And uh, you said you started out both film and digital? Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, started out film, of course, you know, mm-hmm. right. <laughs> in the 90s. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, yeah, so film, film, film. But then it was sort of when digital come out, came out was right at the point where I moved to Brazil. And I just sort of got on early and, you know, took up digital. It was kind of in my career photographically, I, I never got to the point of shooting very much like large format, medium format. I was very much 35 millimeter and, and hadn't sort of advanced to that level. And then digital came out and I just sort of made the switch, the switch to digital right. immediately and have been digital since. And I love film. I very much appreciate it. And I shoot film every now and then because I just like, oh, like, I, you know, that film, delicious quality. <laughs> but the roles just sit on my desk and don't get developed. <laughs> right. So I, you know, I, I looked over your bio and all and, and you've done work um, or at least have been written about in, in the New York Times and The Guardian. Wired and the Atlantic, and it looks like maybe the first time you got noticed uh, outside of more the the commercial editorial world and more for sort of a kind of personal work was the the blogger series. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So for me, that was um, definitely sort of a, a key moment in my career um, in terms of it made me realize how powerful having like a cohesive body of work is and how, you know, prior to that, you know, I, I thought I had taken some good fi- pictures, but it was like, you know, one cool picture here, this good picture there. And it wasn't sort of trying to make a statement or like a cohesive project. And once I had the blogger series, I realized how powerful that could be and how, you know, then you start get, getting recognized for your work and people, oh yeah, I've seen that. I've seen that project. Or, oh, you did that. So. Yeah. <laughs> and, and of course that is the... The life of technology, blogging was the biggest thing for so long. And, you know, before... Isn't it crazy how it's like dead now? Like, <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, uh, podcasts sort of outlived it, right? Yeah, because yeah. podcast was very small when people were blogging. Yeah. Um, and then podcast, podcasting kind of grew up and blogging kind of went away. And I mean, there are still people who blog and things like that. But it's, it, was, it was a community, such a strong community for such a long time. And, and I think a lot of bloggers went into podcasting and all. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Um, but that's, you know, that, that's how quickly uh, the technology changes and, and, and people's, uh, you know, venues for social media and, you know, and, and all those things. But the series itself was about, um, you know, uh, pulling back the curtain in a way, right? It was right. about who are these, you know, everybody has this idea of, um, you know, bloggers uh, alone in a dark room in their mother's basement, you know, <laughs> hammering out uh, messages. Uh, but you showed almost, it almost, it's almost glamorous looking in your photographs. Yeah, so for me, um, there is obviously that side of, you know, bloggers in the dark, unknown. But for me, I was obviously super into blogs at the time and, you know, was reading everyone. And, you know, the series to me is about sort of spotlighting these people who had become our new sort of cultural tastemakers. And so, you know, the way that I shot them in the dark being lit by the computer screens was not supposed to be like, uh, like, you know, dark, lonely, depressed kind of thing. It was more like this spotlight on these people who are very key figures in the moment. Yeah, no, what you ended up doing is creating um, stage lighting and luscious, rich, dark colors and, and all, all those things. All thanks to right. uh, the luminous <laughs> Apple product, Glow. <laughs> and then, um, so yeah, you got a lot of uh, notice for that idea. And, what, you know, you're, um, you're just coming out with a new book, and congratulations. Thanks. And it is called The Kids, Yep. right? And it is all about the experiences of kids who've had parents come out, um, or at least have been raised by LGBTQ parents, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. 
How did that all come about? Yeah. Um, so I will say for my personal projects, I tend to photograph things that I'm familiar with you know so like the bloggers was because I was very much like in that world and consumed by blogs and um this project is you know probably the most personal project definitely the most work I've done maybe the most personal project I'll ever do but I don't know if I can say that (laughs) um so this was because my mom actually came out when I was in high school and for me it was very difficult time, pretty traumatic, didn't speak to her for a while. You know, obviously it was something at the time that was very uncommon. So didn't, didn't tell anyone about it, didn't talk to anyone about it and, you know, probably should have had therapy and didn't. And, you know, eventually things progress and things got better in our relationship and our family structures. And, you know, now everyone gets along like my mom and her partner and my dad, and we still do holidays and vacations together. And that is very fortunate. But at the time it was pretty rough. And I sort of had the idea to do this project before what it was when I was 29. And before I had ever met a single other person besides my siblings who had a gay parent. So I sort of mentioned it to my sister and she like knew of, about this organization that actually is a, the only national nonprofit that supports kids who have gay parents. And so it was through that organization that I met the first people ever who had gay parents. And I went into actually a meeting that was being ha- held in New York at this woman's apartment. What's it called? A collage. It used to stand for um, children of lesbian and gays everywhere, but then that is not um, inclusive enough. Right, so, right. so now it's, there's no acronym. It's just right. called collage. Which is actually great because the word itself is inclusive. Yeah, right. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I went to a meeting and um, when I stepped into like that room and there was a room full of people who went around and introduced themselves to me and you know said their name and who their parent was, that was like an uh, awakening moment to me, not only to be meeting people for the first time who had similar experiences, but also to hear them talk about it out loud, you know, with a stranger. And that was the moment that I knew like, okay, I'm definitely doing this project. Like, you know, called the people like that week and started shooting the first subjects. Hmm. So, I mean, when you say it was, it was difficult for you, did your parents then divorce soon after that? Or? Yeah, it's unclear when that legally they actually divorced, but you know, my mom moved out and I don't think that I'm not totally sure. But I, th- I don't think they actually legally divorced until she then married her partner. So like needed to get divorced for that. But yes, um, she moved out uh, and then eventually moved in with her partner. And did you end up staying with your father? Yeah. So the th- I have two siblings and the three of us, we ended up staying in, in you know, in our house that we grew up and uh, my mom moved out. Yeah. Hmm. But this happened. So this happened when I was in high That's school. That's high school. Right. But, but it sort of happened over that year that I was living abroad in France. So I was oh. gone for a lot of, you know, Know what was going on there and then she moved out yeah she moved out while I was in France oh wow. so I wasn't there to see that which I'm almost thankful for and then when I was living abroad in Mexico in my sophomore year in college was when she actually moved in with uh, Robin her partner so I was also gone for that transition wow so, <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like she uh, waited for you to leave. <laughs> but I can imagine that's um, I mean, you say you were thankful not to be there, but it also must have been difficult to to deal with you know, over the phone, and, yeah. right? And, yeah, 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 being so far away. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so that that sort of colors your experience very early on. Uh, and and this this project you said you started when you were twenty nine. Yeah. So then um, you f- you find this group collage. Uh, it's a support group, mm-hmm. right? And and then who approaches you about uh, this this project? So. Um, well, to go back to the bloggers, what happened with the bloggers project was 
I had been shooting it, shooting it and posting it just to my blog, you know, as I was shooting it and someone had seen it and ended up this person was following me, worked at Wired. So he ended up blogging about it on the Wired's blog. And from that, you know, the project went viral because of the nature of the project okay. and the blogs. And so what happened was the project sort of took off before before I had finished it, before I felt like, you know, I hadn't written a statement about it right. yet. And it just like sort of went out to the world, which was amazing. Um, but based on that experience, I knew for this project that I wanted, I didn't want to just post it to my site and, you know, to my Instagram, whatever. I wanted to really have it like packaged up and ready to be shown to the world when I felt it was ready. And ideally, I wanted it to be published somewhere in, to do so. So after I'd been shooting for a couple of years and I felt like, you know, I wanted to have at least like 20, 15 to 20, 15 to 25 images that were solid, like a nice, good edit. And you were, were you thinking more of a, an editorial piece? Yeah. So I, once I had a sort of that many images that I felt were decent enough, um, I started pitching it around to magazines and it ended up getting published uh, in the New York Times, the Sunday Review. Uh, in 2015. Oh, so that was that was long before the book. Yeah, oh, okay. yeah. So what happened with with that, which was what I was hoping was going to happen, is you know amazing opportunity and exposure, and you know from that uh, also you know got picked up in other publications around the world, and all of a sudden instead of me trying to find subjects, which you know had been difficult here and there, I had people contacting me. So I knew just because it was out published that I wasn't going to stop the project. You know, that there's still stories to tell. There's still more people I wanted to photograph. And so after the Times piece came out, um, I still kept shooting. And, you know, I knew eventually down the line I'd wanted to have, you know, maybe an exhibit or, you know, maybe a book. But, you know, it just kept shooting. And then last summer, so about a year and a half ago, um, I got contacted by um, several publishers, actually, just randomly um, at that time. And I ended up um, deciding to publish with New Press, who who is who published the book? Yeah. yeah. So I mean, you you found people who really wanted to tell their story. Did they know, in in terms of um, how that might uh, how it might get out there? Were they thinking they would show up uh, in a magazine or uh, an yeah. editorial? Or, um, yeah. So you know, I, obviously, I had everyone sign model releases just to make sure I was covered. Yeah. yeah. Um, but also, I mean, um, more so in the earlier subjects, there were people that were hesitant. You know. Sometimes I would find subjects, but they didn't want to be photographed or you know, they wanted me to change their name. And I obviously respect that. It's very personal stuff. When the time piece was coming out, I contacted everyone. Hey, just letting you know this is happening to make sure, you know, everyone was okay with it. And with the book, there there were a couple people, you know, I'm putting a lot of their text and their story in it. There's a couple people who, you know, had mentioned we were interviewing. Oh, if we published, can, can I see it beforehand? So I made sure for those people who were a little bit unsure that like they could look at the text and make sure that they were okay with it. Oh, okay. So you you allowed them to see the text that you were quoting them. On. Yeah, right. yeah, okay. yeah. I mean, I wasn't yeah. writing anything that they didn't say, but I right. just wanted to make sure they were comfortable with mm -hmm. what I was publishing. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, and also, it's you know, you want to make sure you get the story right too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, did you have any journalism training? While you were studying uh, liberal arts, or no? Okay. <laughs> no. Yeah, it's it's funny because um, you know, in my head, I'm a photographer, and to me, I wanted to produce like a, a photography book, but it's not. I mean, obviously, it is a photography book, but it's so much more than that. Like the the text is so important to this project and to seeing these images. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the the images are beautifully made and all, and but not to take away from that, but you know, the the part that connects the whole book together is the way people share their experiences. And I, I found it fascinating that a lot of the shared experiences have to do with 
reactions of others and how you explain things to others and how you're seen by others. And, and it, it had, you know, it's, it caused a lot of pain and a lot of joy for people when, I, you know, for the, um, the, the pieces that I read. And uh, I wonder if that was something you really identified with. And I asked about your journalism experience. Were you sharing your story as well while speaking to people? Yeah, so um, so the beginning interviews, so that you know, this was like seven years ago, were very different than the interviews that I was doing like this this past year. More so because in the beginning, I actually you know was having conversations with people that I had never had with anyone, and so when someone would say something, I'd be like, I would stop the interview and say, Oh my god, like you 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 felt that too, or like Oh my god, I did that as well. I can't believe it, and and it was very much therapeutic. You know, so much about this project was therapeutic for me. Towards the end, you know, I, I wasn't giving enough, as much time um, with the interviews just because I also had a baby and things, you know, <laughs> other stuff was happening. Interviews were quicker. And also I found that towards the end, the people that I was interviewing, especially sort of the younger generation ones, there wasn't as much to talk about because for a lot of the more recent people, like there, it wasn't that much of an issue. The older generation were, you know, is less common and there's lots more teasing and, you know, vulnerabilities, but there's a lot in the, in the sort of younger generation now who it's like, yeah, I have two gay moms and was no big deal. No one ever bothered me. And this, that's it. So the interview would, you know, be over in 10 <laughs> minutes. Like, I'm like, well, we got nothing else to talk about. Everything's good. Thank you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's funny. But, but also, you know, wonderful. Um, yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Right. So you're right. There, there are some just good hard heartwarming stories in there. And the other thing that struck me, which, you know, is, is also a little funny, but but also real is when your parents do come out, then you start to think about them, you have to start thinking about them as these sexual creatures, these, these, right? These, these are people who have sexuality, right? <laughs> and that was uh, also part of a lot of, I think, a lot of the stories as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then, you're, you do this work, and it is very much also something you identify with. And with the bloggers, that was something you were also interested in and connected with. Are, are the things you choose, you know, the, and are you thinking of, of future projects? And are, are they things that um, sort of directly impact what you do and how you do? Is, it, is that how you make, how you decide, you know, what you're interested in, what you want to photograph? For sure. For me, my as I said, my personal work um, is very much usually comes from worlds that I'm a part of, things that are part of my circles already that I just want to explore deeper. It's great because with my sort of editorial work and commercial work, often what I love about that is that I get to go into worlds that I'm not a part of. Like, you know, I love editorial shooting just for that reason to get, you know, sent somewhere and get thrown in an environment that I knew nothing about and to really get to be immersed in this thing that I would never have had the opportunity were it not for photography. You know, that's what I love about photography. Um, so I, I kind of have the best of both worlds with that in my editorial side, whereas in the personal projects, I can explore stuff that are more, you know, what I'm, what I'm known. Yeah, you ended up getting involved in a cookbook, I saw. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I've that? actually shot three cookbooks. Wow. <laughs> oh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh, what was that first, how did that first one uh, like um, come to be? So the first one was actually sort of more in line with how I sort of started working professionally in New York here because uh, I have a friend who's a chef and a farmer who I grew up with um, over the summers. And when I moved back home from Brazil, I kind of went back out there for the summers and was hanging out with him. And he, at the time, it was very early 
you know, not everyone was doing farm to table stuff. And he had started doing these greenhouse dinners on his farm. And I would just hang out there and take pictures. And before that, I never shot food. You know, I, before that, I would always say I'm a people photographer. I love interaction and portraiture. But all of a sudden, I was like hanging out with him and just like what he was doing was super interesting and like visually stimulating. And I just kind of photographed what he was up to. And this was a couple summers of doing that. And, you know, after a while, I had this like body of work that was like food and farming. Hmm. And I just put it together. You know, I edited it down. I picked like, you know, 20 of my favorite images and put together PDF and um, just sent it to like my friends and stuff who knew both of us just to be like, hey, look what we've been up to, like wanted to share. And, you know, it wasn't nicely presented at all. It was literally like a PDF that had like one image here, one image here. And the beginning was just like, you know, Gabriella Herman Beetlebone Farm. So nothing fancy. And it ended up, you know, some, passed it to someone, friend, passed it to a friend and, you know, ended up landing at the desk at someone who worked at Martha Stewart. Hmm, nice. So I got, the, the, I count this as like my first big break, but I was, um, I was in California, like at a conference and I get a call saying from the photo director of Martha Stewart saying, hey, um, sorry, we, we never do this. It's not like this is how we operate, but we just saw this PDF that you sent and we have this upcoming story that's in Maine this week that we think you would be perfect for. Like, are you interested or available? You know, it's like, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> I literally got on a plane that night, wow. flew to Maine. I had nothing with me in terms of equipment other than my camera. Like, didn't even have a tripod. I had one lens and got went to Maine for three days. I hung out on this apple orchard and ended up, you know, producing this feature story from Martha Stewart that um, is one of my favorite stories to this day. Um, they love the images. You know, I loved that experience. And that's sort of started my relationship working for Martha Stewart, which led to other editorial uh, assignments. That's a great story. But that is what yeah. a nice thing to happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then so, so so from that, then I established a relationship with Martha Stewart. They, um, you know, they had seen that work with my friend Chris, but they like asked me to show it to them again and um, ended up running those images, like licensing those images for me to run as a story about his farming and food in the magazine. And so when that came out, he, he was sort of getting a little bit more recognition at the time. And from that press, he was getting more press and doing more interesting things. And I kept shooting with him and we decided we wanted to work on a cookbook together. So put together a book proposal and I had pr previously worked on a cookbook with someone else. So I had had a book agent through that. So we reached out to this book agent um, with our proposal and said, you know, are you interested? And he's like, absolutely. He took us on, shopped it around, ended up going into like a bidding war and we got like an amazing publisher and Chris got a huge advance and that's how the cookbook came about. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's great. Um, I, I jumped away from the kids because, I, you know, we, we got into other things, but that's the way this show runs. We jump around a little bit. But uh, we were getting up to um, the point of how this book came to be and all. And, and, and in reading it, the, there's an introduction. Is it by John Stryker? Um, yes. yes so a preface by John Stryker, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Who, who talks about this as a much larger idea, a much larger project. And he mentions you as, I think, one of the photographers involved in it. Is, is there a larger thing happening with not just this book, but other books? So, or? yeah. So, um, so he's with the Argus Foundation that basically funded the book. Okay. Um, and this is part of a series. It's a series about called Diverse Humanity, and it's all about LGBT issues throughout the world. Oh, okay. So I believe this is the sixth or seventh book in that series, mm. and it's the first one that has like a U.S.-based theme. There was another one that they did in Tokyo and one in Russia, and so this was the first U.S.-based um, part of the, that series. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so... Um, 
then how did um so did John Stryker find you then through the work that you were doing? Um, I actually the, how the book came about is I got contacted um by there's a design team a design studio that has done the design work for the rest of the books in the series, and they had seen the project from somewhere that it was published, and they were the ones who initially approached me um proposing the the book. Oh okay yeah yeah, yeah. and now um. You know, you talked about this this work being therapeutic, right? Sure. And and being able to share your story and hear other people's stories. Is there a a particular story or two that really um, resonated with you? Uh, I mean, so many. I think one of the most interesting things when reading, you know, the book, if you you know read it cover to cover, you just really see how interesting and diverse families are, and how 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 many different sort of configurations like make up a family you know way beyond you know here's a mom here's a dad here's a kid um one of the most interesting stories was one of the last people i shot who um was raised by two gay dads and she was conceived by the sperm of one dad and the egg of the other dad's sister Wow. So she actually has the DNA of yeah. both her dads, That's, which is yeah. just like incredible. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that was like a, an interesting story. It is. And, and you know, those those arrangements where, uh, you know, you need host eggs, or you need host sperm and, and all. I mean, that that's also part of the, you know, this non-traditional family story, right, that these kids uh, share and that they become aware of. And, you know, I was part of uh, the wave of adoption of, of Asian kids in the 60s, and, and I, I was born here, but I'm half Japanese, and, and I remember always knowing that I was adopted, and it was never strange. It only felt strange when someone pointed it out, that it was a little strange, right? That you, well, you and all, you're all adopted from different places and different families in different countries, and um, I, th- I'm not comparing that to how much more difficult it would have been for you to explain your situation and all that, and, and the way people reacted to you. But, but it is, it is something that becomes more natural. Yeah, there is, are some parallels right. too, and and mm-hmm. I think um, a couple of people I interviewed um, were adopted by you know uh, lesbian parents, um, and I th- they they talk about in the interviews how you know there's much more um, struggle or issues like dealing with their uh, race identity than with the fact that they had two gay moms. Hmm. Right, right, and and always that that look of oh, are you? This person's mother? Are you right? Are you an, uh, a nanny? Are you right? Are you the au pair? Yeah. Right. All those things, all those horrible questions. Yes. <laughs> right. And now you did you say you you just had a, a baby? You have a child? I did. I have a almost sixteen month old. Oh, yeah. congratulations! Yeah, thank you. <laughs> it's the yeah. best. <laughs> uh huh. Right. And so, uh, what is your family arrangement? Um, I'm married. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband he works at the New York Times. Um, oh wow! Yeah. Um, In what capacity? Um, he's a sort of editor, consultant, web strategy mm-hmm. type. <laughs> yes, what, that's what you have to be now to work in, uh, in the news and the media business. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, how has all of this, you know, affected the way, you know, you see yourself as a parent and all? Oh, that's an interesting question. This is, I don't know if it's like too deep, but um, what happened for me was very, very traumatic um, sort of. Just like basically the mom like, you know, ruptured the family before that was like very, very, you know, amazing childhood and, you know, perfect family kind of thing. And I have I just have like this one of my biggest fears is for 
for something like that to happen to my children, like to them have to have, have to experience that rupture. And like, I think about that often, you know, wanting to prevent them from that. No, exactly. <laughs> no, the, uh, the traumas we face as children are, um, are those wounds, nothing opens up those wounds more than having a child, <laughs> yeah. right? Right. <laughs> having a child just makes you uh, really face all of those things. Uh, unresolved things as well will bubble up and, yeah. and all that. You know, I, my uh, my parents died when I was very young, and my my father. Uh, it just I don't know how the hell this happened, but I am the same age ratio uh, 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 um, to my son that my father was to me, and my father passed when I was twelve. So I have this wow. underlying yeah. fear, you know, yeah. waiting for my son to get past twelve. Wow, right? yeah, yeah. And so that yeah, those <laughs> that's things real. That, that's what happens, right? <laughs> that's what happens to us. And <laughs> and of course, on on the other side, you know, you're always trying to be uh, a better parent, right? You 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 examine the way you grew up, and you want to do things better. And yeah, you, it's unbelievable to know. yeah. To really like live through everything again, mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. So, so yeah, I mean, um, uh, but you know, it's also con uh, fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> no, absolutely amazing. Yeah. yeah, and then the book is uh, is officially out. Now? Yeah, yep, yeah. Right. It was, uh, October tenth. Yep, you can get it on Amazon. Okay, right, and the publisher then is uh, New Press. New Press. Okay, yeah. right, yeah. and where are they? They're based in New York. Um, you know, it's not it's not a photo um, publishing company. It's you know a literary publishing mm -hmm. company, and um, I don't know their exact mission statement, but it's something about you know all the books they do are you know doing socially oh, good okay. things. Right, right. So socially minded. <laughs> yeah. And and is that is that something then that still interests you in terms of future projects and future ideas? Um, for sure. I'm. I, so. Collage, the organization that I hooked up with here, um, a lot of the people have been involved with it since they were very young. And through that, you know, have grew up sort of with like more um, awareness and language to speak about their experiences and a lot more sort of like a advocacy mentality. And, you know, the people who obviously there's not everyone in the book is from that organization, but a lot of those people, you know, have that sort of activist advocate uh, mentality, which is incredible. But I don't that that's not really me. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I love just like the humanity and the sharing the stories, yeah. you know, I and I've obviously been doing a lot of press for the book, but I'm hesitant to sort of you're not going to put yourself out there like as a, a social justice to, warrior. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, no, no. Right. Um, sharing stories is, you know, something photographers can do really well. And so that that's that's a perfectly legitimate role to have. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, um, uh, you know, so getting back to you know doing the work and and how it affected you and all of that is, I imagine that also uh, allowed you to have new and different conversations with your mother and her partner and and your father, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so when the New York Times thing published, um, they wanted in addition to the photos, they wanted me to actually write a text about my story, and I had never before that point, you know, I had never written that down or you know thought about. I mean, I've thought about it, but it never sort of to me to do that right I should I should mention if I have not your story is in the book yes, yes yeah, yeah yeah and so that was like just like an amazing opportunity to to have to do that and um you know I, I I literally went from I wasn't able to say the words out loud like you know my mom is gay to basically you know writing it in the times and like screaming it to the whole world yeah so I was very nervous about that um just in itself but especially 
having something in writing that my mom would then read. Um, so I, you know, I wrote what I wrote and then I made sure like, you know, I, sh- I showed it to her before it was being published. And, you know, I didn't, I wasn't saying anything that was untrue or super negative, but, you know, I was just very nervous about it. But of course, you know, I showed it to her and she, you know, was super supportive and so nice. proud and like has That's only great. been supportive like the whole time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yep. And and I imagine you uh, your child will get to visit both parents and do you have big family reunions? Um yeah, I mean we're very much family. We do lots of everything together and mm-hmm. um no, I mean your dad and your mom like Yeah, we we're actually oh, all okay. going to um Las Vegas this wow. year for Christmas randomly. Oh, nice. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Oh uh-huh. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then um I'm just talking about future projects but um um this project the kids you know, has occupied not, it wasn't at the forefront, but, you know, the past seven years, it's sort of what I've been focusing my, you know, personal work on. And I haven't um, shot really personal work outside of this project mm. just because I haven't had time. And, right. you know, obviously now I shoot pictures of my daughter every day. <laughs> of course. So there's that outlet. <laughs> um, but I, I'm thinking and getting really excited about um, a couple new projects that, um, that I want to do and excited to just like, you know, start right. the beginning again of a new project. Right. Yeah. No, no, it's good because you, you have the book and, you can sort of clear your mind a little bit and then start something new. It's so nice to great. like have also like a finished product. I'm like, okay, this project that's, is done. That's like, it. here's the book and put it out there. It's and- the hardest part is trying <laughs> is tr- is saying, oh, I'm done, yeah, right? Yeah. So and people ask, oh, are yeah. you still shooting it? And mm-hmm. you know, for me, like, I'm done with this project. Um, you know, yeah. there's obviously still other stories to tell and more people, but you know, you know, th- I can let someone else do that. And for right. me, I feel like you know, I've done. No, my that's part. the thing <laughs> with with long term projects, and then if there's a book or a show or something at the end and you're you're in some ways your mind has moved on uh but you've got to also talk about it yeah yeah um did we miss anything is there uh anything you else you wanted to to mention coming up that you're doing um what oh you know um is all your work uh freelance work that yeah. you do basically terms, like i don't have a in like the, a, terms of commercial work right yeah like, i don't have like a there's no steady steady income anywhere or, no right <laughs> <laughs> i wish oh do you, do you would no. you prefer no i don't want to have a, a a job but i wish they had oh, more steady more st- income <laughs> that, that is the life of a freelancer yeah. yes yeah. i mean the life of a freelancer is like oh look all this work all this Ups work i have to turn something down but and then nothing yep yeah <laughs> there's very much highs and lows but i've been doing it for enough that i know now when i'm in a low period that it's fine because you know it'll eventually go up so is there editorial work that you really prefer that you really like doing i don't get hired as much but i just love portraiture i love you know spending time with with Mm. subject i mean portraiture when you have time with subjects is like the best yeah um i actually just did a portrait um last week of jane goodall um, that was for the New York Times, and I had five minutes. Wow! Oh, I saw that. That was that was great. Thank Those you. Are, yeah. Uh, there were two photos. I think they published, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, really yeah. nice. I was supposed yeah. to have like it was supposed to be in a hotel, and it was supposed to have like forty minutes, and it ended up being on the sidewalk for five minutes. Wow. And of course, like I'm still what? so grateful for that opportunity. But and, it like, makes I'm, those photos even more impressive. <laughs> by the way. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. I'm I'm glad that I was able to get the shot, but. Um, ideally, you know, I have a lot more time with the subject than yeah. that. And that that's my favorite assignment when I can actually, you know, work a lot of angles and locations and scenarios and really, you know, work to get the image that I want. You're doing this freelance work and that's, you know, sort of the, the dream of a, a photographer to be able to support themselves actually doing photography. I'm so uh, grateful. And, and, yeah. and yeah. do you have any uh, tips, advice 
I have, for, for I photographers? have one piece of advice, you know, mm-hmm. I get asked quite often, you know, any advice, someone starting out or, you know, how to break in. And my number one advice, if I could only say one thing is um, to be social. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't tell you how much of my work has come from just knowing someone and meeting someone at a party and they happen to be working somewhere or happen to be needing a photographer or, you know, be social. When I first got to New York, obviously, you know, I'm a mom now, so I don't go out ever. But <laughs> when I first got to New York, you know, I was going out all the time, I was going to all the studio parties, the gallery openings, the photo, whatever this and photo talks. And, um, you know, that's how I got my first work when I came to New York and was assisting, meeting other photographers, letting them know I was assisting. Sting, um, you know, to shoot events, just letting people know I shoot events, you know, it just being social can get you so far. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. You know, that is the exact same advice we get from photographers who don't do commercial work, photographers who, who, who only show or, or publish books and things mm-hmm. like that. It's the same thing. It's the exact same <laughs> in advice. In any industry, of probably, course. right? <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. Especially in any creative industry. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you know, networking is not a dirty word. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know, I tell my students that it's, um, it's really just finding people who are interested in what you're doing and you're interested in what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, seeing if it works, seeing if there's some kind of something that, um, you know, where you help each other in some ways. For sure. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you very much. Yes. This great. has been great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah appreciate and it. Good luck with, uh, with the book. Thank you. Thank and you. Uh, I want a signed copy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'll have to send you one. <laughs> I will buy it. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. And uh, bye, everyone. Mm-hmm.